Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery now available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast, Eight and Nation Edition. See, I, I, I was going to correct you for a second. The second yeah. you said Three Down Greencast, I'm like, Joel, Joel, it's the Eight and Nation, and then you dropped to the Eight and Nation, so... Uh, do proceed, my friend. Absolutely. Never question my abilities. <laughs> or the fact that you got your shit together on this <laughs> way better than I ever do. Sometimes, yeah. Of course, Joel Gaston with John Fraser, as always. And I just want to clarify one thing quickly, because I forget what we were talking about the one day, because we talk about a lot of dumb stuff. We really do. There was someone you said that pronounces your last name correctly. There was some athlete or someone that was a Fraser. Yes, Chase Fraser of the Buffalo Bandits at the yes. National Lacrosse League. And then that got me thinking, like, I've been saying it right the whole time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why in that moment I was like, John's never said anything, and I feel like he would if I was saying it wrong. <laughs> no, you've always said Fraser. So the difference is, is people default to the the, the radio comedy Fraser, right? Mm. Which is the French way to pronounce my last name, because there's an I in there, which is a derivative of the word strawberry. No problem. I love the French. Got nothing against the French. But you know what? I am a proud Scotsman, and Fraser, like there's a Z in there, is the correct way to say my last name. But like everybody, like when I was playing minor hockey, uh, and uh, uh, number 30, John Fraser, it's like, fuck you! Like, ah! Get it right! And it- <laughs> It's hilarious, too, because Lacey, before we got married, never got it. She's like, I don't get it. Her last name's Bohe. You can't screw up Bohe. Then she takes Mm. my last name. Then she got it. It took a week, and she got it. She's like, okay, I get it now. I understand your pain. So, uh, yeah, no, it, uh, it was great to hear it finally said correctly, because there's not a lot of Frasers that have done good with athletics, so... Maybe I'll play yeah. my last name for, for my I, – I, like, like really, like – even the funny thing is you usually think, like, Joe Frazier 
Mm-hmm. But that's a Fraser. It's an I-Z. It's not an S-E-R. So you have always said it right, and I think that's why you are one of my nearest and dearest friends. I mean, as we've... The inside joke is, in they're for your first, not your second, like you said in the one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. So, of course, this is the 8N Nation episode where we talk all things curling, which means six people are going to listen. Um, we will have friend of the program... Uh, Colin Hodgson on in a little bit to discuss everything going on in the world of curling as of course it was a eventful year with the Olympics and we will get to the bottom of the most important question in curling was what was up with his menu at the Scotties as he was coaching Chelsea Carey's team so good yeah like I think I think the bar has been set so high for every other coach like you look he had charcuterie he had sushi like and I can tell you mm-hmm. okay we won't bring this up when he's on I'm gonna peel back the curtain a bit he was thinking about making his own sushi in his hotel room. He won't admit to it, but him and I had that discussion. <laughs> That's that might have been that would have been something. I'll tell you that. He he. Uh, my sister almost went and got the supplies for him. Hmm. So there you go. Little, but of course, fun fact about Colin yes. mm-hmm. I mean, that didn't surprise me at all. I mean, the guy is basically an amateur chef. So I mean, he, he's actually a Red Seal professional chef. He's uh, actually professionally trained as a chef. Yeah, but I mean, that's not what he does. That's his job, basically, right now. True. Not yes. anymore. Now he's yes. a curler. So. Yes. Um, of course, as I mentioned, the Olympics came and went. And uh, we would be it would be wrong, maybe, if we did not discuss a certain story that has since appeared from those Olympic Games. <laughs> that I don't think could be more on point for you and I. No. Um, it was from the 50-kilometer mass start race in uh, cross-country skiing a Finnish skier by the name of Remy Lindholm. I'm glad that he had a relatively easy name to say because I didn't actually look up his name before finding the story. I just remember hearing about the story. As soon as you said the Finnish skier and I heard you start going to the name, I'm like, wow, he's he's, he's going there. Yeah. Um, an hour and 16 minutes it took him to do this course. And of course, it's cold in the winter. It was in China as well. There were some days where it was colder than it was here. And um, something froze. <laughs> and you're gonna say well yeah lots of things probably froze yeah but he probably uh... he, he probably wished that he hadn't uh used his manscape that day i was literally gonna say he i hope he must have used his lawnmower 4.0 to perfection because i feel like a giant 70s bush might have saved his equipment. I can only imagine the amount of pain having frozen equipment would be. And I am a man who's had a nerved neck while they worked in my equipment. Mm-hmm. I'm a man who got circumcised when he was 18 years old. And I still cringe thinking at frozen equipment. Yeah, he said, um, it sounded like it was kind of like okay during the race. Um, he said when the body parts started to warm up after the race, <laughs> the pain was unbearable. Well, you'd be so full of adrenaline, right? Like it's a 50 mm-hmm. kilometer race. You're at the Olympics. This is what you've trained your whole life for. I mean, but I mean, her... if you if you basically freeze anything, I mean, you're outside shoveling too long. You, you just kind of kind of forget about it. Or you don't really think about it. And you almost lose feeling of it altogether, right? It's when it starts when your hands start to warm up a bit. It's like okay, this isn't really that comfortable. Now think of that hundred times worse because it's down there. <laughs> like I said, I am a man who is a, in the past too many years has had too much equipment, it things touched with my equipment, and 
<sighs> okay, I'm terrified now. Uh, uh, uh. At least you didn't hop in a hot shower right away. Oh, God. <laughs> You're not making it better, Cassin! <laughs> uh, I think we need to make a sharp turn here and uh, save this podcast, save this episode before we get uh, go down this path a little too deeply. And as we said off the top, it is the annual eight and nation episode, and we nation. are joined nation. I'm getting. I don't know what the hell. I'm... All right, that's it. I've I've fucked this up already. All right, uh, we'll just, start here. that's it. Strong start. Uh, but we always have the strongest interview guest for eight and nation. That being my dear friend, Manitoba champion, Olympic curling trials participant, best hair on the Grand Slam of curling tour. That being my good friend Colin Hodgson joining us, and Colin. All of our listeners are dying to know, and this is maybe the most serious and important question I'll ask you the entire podcast. What's in the glass? I have a Winnipeg beer. Oh! Trans-Canada Brewing. Nice. I have a blueberry ale. It, uh, it has a nice... It is in a glass right now, but the can itself has a nice polar bear on it. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful beer and probably my favorite, especially when it's ice cold like a polar bear would drink this beer. <laughs> yeah, you guys are going through that cold snap that just left us here in Saskatchewan. So I always, I love the fruity beers and I haven't had a chance to try TransCanada. I'm driving through that way this summer. I'm going to have to do it then because uh, you've told me nothing but good things. Uh, for myself, uh, for our sponsors, the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, I'm not going with a sponsor, but I'm going with one of our favorites. Joel, you tipped me off that the Uno IPA from Blackbridge is back. Mm -hmm. I went straight to my local Sobeys liquor store right after work today and stocked up on a four-pack of those. Uh, if you like IPAs, it's just – it's perfect. It might be oh, – I, I hate to say it. In terms of just a, a straight-up IPA, it might be the best in Saskatchewan that I've tried so far. That's a pretty high bar to clear. I mean, if we're being honest, it, it but really that's, that's is. fair. I mean, but I mean, it's to each their own. I mean, it is a very solid beer. I definitely quite enjoy it. I don't know if it's my favorite IPA, but it's it's definitely one that's up there. Uh, for me, I was at a multinational over the weekend here in Regina, Ooh. and I picked up a, a couple of their 500 IPA, which is of course celebrating their 500th batch of beer. Um, think of it basically as sports on steroids. So they've turned sort of their American wheat ale that's a little citrusy into more of an IPA with a little more bite to it. And it's uh, it's just very drinkable and, and very wonderful overall. So if you happen to see the, that one out and about, it's just a purple can. It has the number 500 on it. That's that's about what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I saw it, but I went with the Uno. The Uno is just one of my favorites, and it, it doesn't seem to come around often enough. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a good one. To give our sponsors some love, love though, um, next week, I believe, the Pile of Bones Chocolate Stout is coming out. And it's got kind of like a Willy Wonka-esque type can art to it. And I believe there's actually chocolate. And this time in the past, they've made it with, with just kind of working the malts to make it a chocolate flavor. But this time, there's some actual chocolate in it. Um, I feel like that one's going to sell like bananas. So if you uh, if that's kind of your jam, you might want to jump on that one quick when you see it on the shelf. Should I uh, hide some for your coach, Rob Neekin there, Haji? He's a stout guy, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I, th I, you know what? He is my wine Sherpa. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to finding an amazing vintage California wine, I, to be honest, I don't really know what Rob drinks because if we're hanging out, you know, in the hotel room, it's been COVID, we've been hanging out in hotel rooms 
a lot. <laughs> he, uh, yep. He's the guy who he knows what I want before I want it. And then I try it, and I always give him the fager wag, like, oh, you got me again, Rob. <laughs> so I'm going to make it my goal at this briar to figure out exactly what kind of beer he likes, and I'm going to report back to you guys on that. Fantastic. So, of course, Colin is joining us today because that is, of course, as mentioned, the 8 and Nation episode as we talk all things curling uh, kind of on the last year. It's a special year this year. Um, quite a bit to talk to. We're going to get into a lot of different topics from uh, the Olympics to the Briar to the Scotties and the whole ring of roll. But, um, of course, I think the one on everyone's mind right now is the Olympics, as that has uh, come and gone. Canada leaving with a bronze medal from uh, Brad Gushu and his team out of Newfoundland. Uh, pretty solid performance by them most of the week, I would say. And I think overall, maybe the theme of this Olympics now, especially two in a row, is... You know, there's a lot of talk about Canada's performance and what may or may not happen, what should happen. We will get into that in a little bit. But I think it's also fair, as Colin, that we should probably be giving... Oh, I'm having issues hearing you. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I can hear you now. Yes. Okay. Okay, good, good, good. Good, yeah. We don't edit around here, so we'll Is see Is that my that... internet? It might have been. I don't know. It's hard to say. Okay. Okay. That's rare, or, or should be okay, but if I'm cutting out, let me know. No, you sound hey, good now. We, it's all good. We will. We also don't edit, so this whole exchange is going to be it. <laughs> we'll see. I might cut it down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think also, especially with the current crop of teams around the world right now, as much as we can talk about sort of you know what's maybe happening with Canadian teams and the process of how we get to naming those teams, Colin, I think it's certainly fair that we should be giving um, – these teams that are winning medals at the last two Olympics, especially, you know, their own credit for doing it. Absolutely. Um, that's the trend. There's this rhetoric going on that everybody's catching up to Canada. It's kind of, to me, that's complete and utter blasphemy. Um, <laughs> Canada is very good at curling. Sweden yes. is very good at curling. Scotland's very good at curling. Japan's very good at curling. Um, and they're not doing it. They're not doing it because all the Canadian coaches are leaving and going and, and you know working for the highest bidder. Because that, that's not necessarily it either. There's there isn't enough money in curling to even make that statement. Period. Um, with maybe the exception that some of the host nations tend to have more deeper pockets to fund some of the coaches. Um, Payland home left Sweden to go you know work for the Chinese before the Olympics, and that's understandable. Um, there isn't a lot of money in the sport, so why not have our best coaches, um, you know, take the opportunities they can get. But um, Jennifer Jones had a Swedish coach. Victor Schall is one of the greatest leads of all time. He moved to Canada, married an amazing uh, lady. And, you know, for me, that's really fortunate because I don't have to play against him anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> the thing is like, the, there are new athletic young curlers who are putting in effort and changing the way people are thinking about things. I think what's happened is we've had a lot of a lot of tradition in this country and in other countries. And throughout that tradition, maybe that can limit some people's creativity and how they go about their business. Um, Bruce Mowat's team, for example, my goodness, some of the stuff that they're doing, it's not because... I don't think it's because they have a training center specifically in Scotland for that. That team works together so hard. They're very bright young individuals who they push the envelope and we're copying them. Um, I work with international teams 
often because um, I want to get better. I'm not going to get better just working in our own country. I'm going to get better working with other other players, other teams, and, and I'm in turn going to make them better. So that's a beautiful part of the sport, and, and I'm not much on the um, – the nationalistic side of we need to protect everything within our country, yeah. um, within our sport. I think we need to share that and to learn from others, and, and the whole level goes up. Um, unfortunately, for some people in curling, that that also creates a bigger divide between the elite curlers and and you know the the secondary level. Um, that that that's been growing over the past few years. That gap. It it, it has been. Um, speaking of of the gap and maybe the next generation, are we just like like. <sighs> A, for one, how happy were you for Nick and D? Like, Nick's been there so many times. I know you guys are buddies. I've briefly met him a time or two. Just seems like a solid human being. I have a giant crush on Ethan Earhead, so obviously I was very happy for her. Uh, but is there another generation that we're going to see coming up here internationally, right? Like, like I don't think Nick's got much left. You know, you're kind of seeing, you know, like Gushu's basically admitted that this Briar is a swan song for him uh, when he was speaking to CBC's Devin Haru. Do the other countries have that next generation or is this like going to be, are we just living in Bruce Mowat world for the next, you know, however many years, Aji? <laughs> let's get this, let, 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 let's make this really clear. Nicodine is the goat. Oh, um, 100%. Yes. No Nick, question. Nicodine is, maybe if other curlers had, had, had went to, so many European championships, so many worlds, so many Olympics, things like that. Sure, you can say that, but the, the, the fact is that Nicholas has been going to them all. Um, yeah. He's been playing internationally. He's had ten major surgeries. He was, cool. I believe, he's flown on a on a. He was flown out of the country for a major surgery. The the stuff he's went through to stay on the ice as an athlete is just unbelievable. Um, he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, He's got a huge following in Canada. There isn't many international curlers who have ever really accomplished that. Um, David Murdoch is someone who comes to the forefront of my mind as someone very popular. But um, that being said, you know, there have been a lot of players being blocked internationally by some of these great players. Uh, Bruce Mowat's team was probably just young enough. They weren't blocked by David Murdoch too much. Um, yeah, it seemed like there's a players, crossover. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Anna Hasselberg has... has been one of the in my opinion one of the greatest teams i've ever seen on the ice um and they've been blocking isabella rana who is is rasmus rasmus rana's uh younger sister she's went to world championships university games she's been playing in grand slams you know kind of in the shadow a little bit and she was the alternate for hasselberg at the olympics and there's just so many great players that we've never heard of and there are players in canada that a lot of average curlers average curling fans haven't heard of yet um, I think that, you know, I think we'll get to it about what maybe we could do in our country for that um, maybe later in this podcast. But there are so many young players out there and, and we need to be open to the to, to giving it a chance, to giving the, the next tier, the next age um, of not only Canadian curlers, but international ones, because everyone has their favorites. I get that. And that draws eyes. But wait until you see the next ones, because. Bruce Mowat is the next ones. <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 they're so... Okay, you mentioned Adin being the GOAT. If you don't follow international curling, he has seven European championships, five world championships, uh, the first men's curlers to simultaneously hold both the world curling and European curling championships in three separate seasons, um, three slams at the Grand Slam, Pinty's Cup, like, 
it's absolutely ridiculous what this what this guy has done, uh, and of course the Olympics as well. So uh, you alluded to it. I just wanted to give some love for Nekadine because I remember me, you, and him sitting down in the Nutana Curling Club and having great conversation and getting to know the guy. So I was like, I think the four teams that made the men's curling playoffs at the Olympics, I'm like, I just hope everybody has fun, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you, you alluded to it, and I'm going to kind of give the platform uh, to you here. What could Canada do to be better at the international level, acknowledging that all these other countries, it's not playing catch-up, these other countries have been great for years. But what could Canada do, Haji? Well, we need the internal discussion. We need to have conversation with the, with the athletes. We need, uh, as an athlete, I've never spoken to a sponsor, a major sponsor of our country, other than I am actually a sponsor of our country. <laughs> right, I was just <laughs> going to say that. <laughs> you know what? But as we haven't really had that opportunity, and I'm not really sure why, but I, I think the pressure of not meddling a couple Olympics in a row, which is incredibly understandable, but I think the, the public pressure hopefully gives us a chance to you know sit back down at the table, figure out what are we doing. Um, we, we talk to the stakeholders and stay and, and the athletes absolutely are part of this. Um, we need to figure out what's our feeder system. Um, how are we going to give ex- experience to all these young teams coming up when they keep getting blocked by teams like ours? If you're not named just out Mike McEwen, Reed Carruthers, Jason Gunlison in Manitoba, have you had national exposure on the men's side? No. No. And it's so hard. And and most of these teams, like we're playing at provincials, and there are teams that we know are incredible, and no one's really heard of them. Um, the Flat well, Brothers, who we played. Colton Lott comes to mind. Matty Dunstone for, for years until he came here to Saskatchewan. Both come to mind, mm-hmm. just off the top of my head. Absolutely. We played um, Ryan Weeb's team in the semifinal or provincials, and the Flat Brothers are sweeping at front end. And I used to work with them just a little bit. I'm not taking any credit for, for what they've done. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I had the opportunity as an adult to work with them as juniors, and now we're playing them in semifinal, and they probably should be beating us. Like, um, Connie Laliberti runs this amazing program. Um, but why is it up to the provincial associations to be, um, you know, working on performance for the competitive teams? I, I personally don't think that's where we need that to happen why don't we have mentorship programs with some of these um you know up and coming players tyler tardy could have won how many world championships in a row and he hasn't been to a briar yet um Mm -hmm. tanner horgan has went um he's been an incredible young player and you know he's grinding it out just trying to get to the briar um he's the youngest skip who went to a trials it's it's just really difficult to make it and our systems in place i think we need to work on that. How are we going to do that? And right now, a huge amount of funding um, from partners, from ticket sales, from patch sales. It comes from the and, and from the Heartstop Lounge comes from the Briar and the Scotties national events, which are huge revenue generators, which therefore fund fund the country. Um, is that going to be sustainable for international meddling? If that's what we care about, mm-hmm. do we care about it? I don't really have the answer to that some people do some don't it's just a, it's a struggle to figure out what are we what are we going to do with this national championship do we need to separate and create a whole different national championship and people call it canada cup 
in my opinion, that's not going to fly because Canada Cup had a different identity. We need a new yep. national championship. We need new youthful, different sponsors. I'm not saying the others aren't youthful, but you know, could you imagine the Red Bull Canadian National Championship where you know you have the best players in the country, regardless of where they're from? Do it earlier in the year. Get those you know national champions declared. They can focus on their play, and then the teams, you know, the 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 the, the let's call them. If we lose, we're going to be called the leftovers. How are <laughs> what are we going to do to help the rest of the country prop them up? So, you know, we lose the national final, and I'm playing with someone from each four different provinces. Let's say I go back to my home in Red Lake, Ontario, and now I can play with a team and try to go to the Briar. And, right. and once again, we have this opportunity to have it as like an every, you know, an everybody's national, which right. it used to be. If you if you put four pretty good curlers together from your club, you could go to the world championship. You could go to the Briar and win the tankard. That could exist now, but it surely does not. You don't right. have a chance. And, and that's just the unfortunate truth. Well, especially the way I'm curling this year. I mean, I'd be a great recruit for anybody. I'm shooting the lights out this year. And with your sweeping tips, Haji, uh, it's it's a whole other level. But uh, speaking of that that that, that mentorship rule, the, the coaching and everything rule, you got to step into that role uh, at, at the Scotties. And, of course, the, the number one thing with that, how the hell did you come up with that menu? Because that menu was fire. <laughs> sushi charcuterie like you put all the other coaches that bring sliced up bananas and sit in a circle to shame (laughs) i'll be honest there was only plan for charcuterie on day one there wasn't (laughs) a plan throughout the week to continue on but as things snowball there isn't fans in the stands tsn's looking for some content right there's only so much curling we can talk about let's let's find something fun and and that was the whole point was really um you know, we we've got this great this great group of five women from Saskatchewan uh, who who are our wildcard team, and they haven't had a ton of games together this year. Right. Um, it's it's a new team. They had an amazing start to the year. They got a ton of points. Got in the wildcard game, um, but now as a wildcard team, how do you remove that pressure? And as as somebody who's went through been a wild card uh, twice now and and played through that game is how do you actually make it light and fun that's the only way to get through that game you need to enjoy your experience so um there wasn't a game but as your wild card team this time because there's 18 there's three wild cards um uh not nominated essentially into yep. this one how, how do we take the pressure off of that so i asked i asked i asked all the girls i said all right i have an idea I want this to be fun. I want it to be light. I want to jump off to a good start. Let's uh, let's do this. And they said, absolutely. That sounds great. So we had full-on charcuterie, and then it you know, turned into what it was where I think we all learned that sushi is actually a fantastic fifth-end break snack. Oh, 100% <laughs> would be. Especially in you know a colder environment like a curling rink. Cause then it... Right, you can just hang out there. Yeah. It was so cold. So cold. <laughs> is it... Coaching is freezing. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The tournament itself, though, um, from what I can remember, it feels like forever ago now since so much has happened between uh, the end of the Scotties and now, both in terms of the world of curling and just the world in general. Um, What I remember is a fun tournament that we saw some names that we didn't necessarily always see kind of toward the top. You know, Andrea Crawford had a great run. Uh, The territories got it in the playoffs. You know, there's a lot of 
it seemed like it was a fun tournament. Was it a fun tournament in person? And, you know, is that kind of maybe what we can expect going forward, at least maybe from the women's game? Because honestly, John and I bemoan the fact of blank ends a lot in this we sport. We really do. And no real blank fest do I remember from that tournament whatsoever. It was a, it was a pleasure to watch from afar, at least. Yeah, absolutely. The ice, the ice was very good. Um, John Wall was, was crushing it with the ice. And, and it does help, I, I believe. Um, I don't want to speak for him, but I believe without fans, um, it's a little easier to control the buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, the temperature generally was fairly consistent outside. If it changes outside, it might change inside a bit. Um, but good ice conditions. It's a great building, too, on top of that. That's very helpful. Uh, the event itself, though, was it was it was a blast. Um, I I would say... For me, that was probably the most fun I've ever had at a national event. Uh, a big part of that has to do with, with how fun. Yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> but I got less sleep as a coach. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, so you had to be, be up all night preparing charcuterie. Up, last one up at night and the first one up in the morning every time for coffee. So when you got everybody's schedule, I didn't. I was sending uh, sending my some of my previous coaches and current coach um, a lot of thank yous or what they do <laughs> and a lot of questions of how do I not screw this up for the team um, but you know the, our our team had such amazing dynamics off off the ice it was just so much fun all the time it was just a very enjoyable experience but furthermore to that um, as a male who's been to lots of national lots of national events mm-hmm. with with other with other men um what i found this was this was so much more fun and i want to take as much as i can from that experience and bring it back to my team um and just enjoy it it was it was a celebration of curling and it was a celebration of women's curling and i learned a lot um the mm-hmm. games are different in a lot of great ways mm-hmm. and i think we can learn from that and take that to to what where we wanted to go i don't I don't like the performance. You need to be perfect all the time. You have to, you know, have your blinders on and go to bed at 9 p.m. and wake up at 6 and go to the gym. And those are all great things to do if they work for everybody. Um, but enjoying the experience, I think that's more what it's about. And and a lot of the teams who were there at the end were teams who were enjoying the experience. And, you know, I was watching that and, and really enjoying and feeding off that too. At the and same time... Um... Are we looking, you know, we talked kind of about the Bruce Mowat era uh, for World, at least on the men's side. Um, are we really looking at, like, Kerry Anderson has to be the favorite to be Team Canada in four years, right? <sighs> oh, gosh, a lot happens in four years. Um, <laughs> but still. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's, that team does a lot of things right. That team mm-hmm. really works hard. They've, they're very focused, very determined. Um, they've got a good, you know, a good buildup of player or good, good collaboration of players that complement each other well and on any any great team in any sport or even workplace or whatever it is you need you need complementary players um who can some can make up for other people's areas of of lacking and it's no different in in men's women's and any sport I i think that team just they're good they're very good and they have fun always about fun i love it <laughs> absolutely we, we love we it. love the fun and embrace the dumb around here so that's that's what we're about so we're, we're glad that more people are embracing that as well yeah yeah we, we and love... beers i i think they're like just just look walking down the hallway in the morning 
and seeing all the plastic bags with all the cans in it <laughs> and the wine bottles and the takeout from the night before because we weren't allowed to go out for dinner or anything. Right. Everybody's pretty much stuck in your hotel rooms and oh, I think there's a, there was probably a record broken this year for, for beers and <laughs> seltzers and bottles of wine drank at a Scotty's. It was awesome. <laughs> well, and that's it. Like, it's supposed to be fun. Curling is fun. You go to your local club. I can't step on the ice without being two beers deep. I know, uh, <laughs> I, I know Corey Kovach. Only two? Uh, maybe three. Draw weight really kicks in after three. That's been my success this year. And I know even, like, Corey Kovach, our GM at the club, who's, uh, a, like, a national Canadian senior champion, does a shot of whiskey before every game. Like, it's it should be fun. It's an athletic sport, but doesn't mean you can't have fun. Um, you mentioned carrying that fun attitude over, Haji. Obviously, you guys, Manitoba champions again, which was awesome. Uh, great game against, like, speaking of those teams that we talk about that nobody really gives attention to that are going to be really damn good, Colton Lott, holy crap. Like, he's he's going to be a great team here. But to you guys, go to the Briar, wearing the Bison. You've been to a handful now. I know when I was I was up way too late with my sister on Saturday night, I sent you a picture from your first briar that the two of us have together, and we had some laughs over that. But what what changes from that first briar that I sent you the photo of, you know, you looking like a young whippersnapper to to now this briar? You've been to a hand, you've been to nationals, you've you've coached the Scotties, you've been to the trials, you've you've been everywhere. How does the preparation change from briar one to this one? Back then, I was. Uh... I had bright eyes and bushy tail and lived and breathed <laughs> curling. And that's all that really mattered. And I had such a passion for it. Um, just being on the ice, the feeling, uh, being a huge Calgary flames fan, my first briar being at the saddle dome, Lanny yeah. McDonald's there. Um, what a, just a overwhelming experience that was. Yeah. Um, and I kind of envy that, myself in that picture looking back um that that sort of excitement is hard to hold down over the years and right now it's like well how do i bring that youthfulness back or but it kind of gets clouded by the experience of it you don't really learn anything from winning you learn Mm -hmm. everything from losing yeah and lost a lot but also been in a lot of positions in big games to have the opportunity to lose. So I think now would be, and it's now, now is a better time than ever for us to win that because yes. we're grizzled old vets. We've been there before. We know how to lose. Um, so let's not do that. Let's <laughs> enjoy the experience with everybody around us. I, I truly think at the end of the season there's going to be a massive amount of turnover in our sport oh yeah there's going to be a lot of people on that ice that we're sharing it with that i'm never going to be able to share the ice again in in that environment Uh, you know having fans in the stands um it's going to be a boisterous environment with um brandon botcher's team is going to play um (laughs) (laughs) we don't play saturday night and I am going to be watching that game in the building if I possibly can. And kudos you know, to I'm, whoever I'm... put them in the same pool. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> however, that that is fantastic. It what is always going to be that way. I think, regardless of Epping or uh, um, Epping or Gushu being in that that wild card spot, um, it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. But 
you know, it's going to, I'm going to look at this, this moment as, as something special and that I've got the privilege to be there. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful for my teammates for, for helping me get there. Uh, it was a tough provincial. So it was really hard to, to stay in the games and, or to actually be in the games and, and our season could have ended if we would have lost that final. And, um, you know, we found a way to win it, even though we weren't our best, which is something that maybe we wouldn't have done before. So the way it happened, the way we went through, you know, through the, the B side of the playoffs and to get in, in and to go over some adversity, go through adversity together. Um, I think that's the big difference. And, and I know we're going to be relaxed and we're just going to enjoy it. And my family's going to be there. And, yeah. you know, I'm just very excited for that, that chance. So when, when you are in the stands for that game between Botcher and Molding, my Uncle Dave's going to be there. So I think you need to sit with my Uncle Dave because he has uh, he's had some colorful words on the whole situation. Uh, we were having some we were having some rums at my sister's wedding and, and he just he, <laughs> he you got to find my Uncle Dave, Haji. I'll tell you that right now. It'll be a good time. But um, you, you mentioned I think having... I'm going to hear him probably from wherever I'm in the arena. So I don't know if I need to be directly beside. Well, he's related, he's related to John. So, I mean, we remember, we remember him at trials, right? So. And, and, he, and he's, oh yeah. Yeah. As the world heard, uh, F, yeah, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Have we ever told that story on the pod, Joel? We might've, but I think this is the good episode to rehash. Not the once, okay. but I believe the three times you were heard across the rink throughout the course of the week. Right. So it was it was a Saturday night draw. Um, it was one of those nights where I had no wife or kids at home, so I knew I could just sleep it off the next morning. All the guys from my fantasy football league are out with me, and my father-in-law, who I think is still to this day embarrassed by this story. But we're out, we're having a great time. Um, we had a ride to the rink, so we even, like, pre-gamed. Um, I don't want to tell you where we pre-gamed, because my boss listens to this podcast sometimes, but we did pregame. We're having a great time uh, watching Haji. We're watching you and the boys. And I remember Mike had a, a, a real difficult board weight hit for three that kind of would have broke the game open. Uh, and right as Mike makes it, I stand up and yell at the top of my lungs. Fucking A, Mike! Mike McEwen's grin, seeing your grin, knowing that I was heard, and then my phone blows up with two of my former teammates going, was that you? <laughs> I'm like, who else would it be, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there's the, the, there's the fucking A Mike story for you right there. <laughs> oh, that was good. I think, I remember my teammates, I think Coach or, either Coach or Reed went, who was that? I'm like, Oh, that's Fraser there. Oh, Fraser. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> we had beers with you at the Natana, and they oh. learned your voice, and they learned how to say the F word that day. <laughs> oh, did they have that was the That was the same night that I was negotiating dowries with uh, Mike for his daughter um, that um. night. That that the Nutana, yeah, because my buddies came out, and you guys were curling right in front of us, and uh, this is right after <laughs> I Mike. I didn't hear that a... story. Oh no, no, yeah, because you were talking. You were talking to my buddies I came with, and so I was sitting beside Mike, and we were catching up. And Mike had just had his daughter, and I had, I think, Lacey and I had just had Connor. So Connor was young. Mike's daughter was young, and I'm like, okay, Mike, that's some good curling blood. Like I feel like we need to make this happen. And Mike and I 
mostly joking. I don't think I signed anything. Joked back and forth about, you know, making sure our kids get together and maybe an arranged curling marriage. So, so that's the that dowry. Was, like 40, 40 head of cattle, 20 sheep in a barn or? It was something like that. And, and, and a lifetime supply of hardline brooms. Ah, not, it's not, not enough, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Those are some good, that's, uh, that's, that's some Olympia jeans there from Dawn. So, um, yeah. the hardline brooms, so that's, that's a nice touch. Oh, That's of course. I mean, A, additive. Mike sells them, and B, I won't use anything else. I legitimately won't. Since the first time you showed me a hardline broom when we were curling at the Eiley Mini Worlds together many years ago, uh, I won't use anything else. So uh, I am, however, I'm on cool bet right now, uh, and you guys are plus 1,500. I, I, I'm I, going to throw down some dough on you guys <laughs> to win the briar because I think that's, that's ridiculous odds right now. I got to bust out my credit card here right away. Those numbers will go down a little bit. That'll get to that'll get to thirteen or something like that. Yeah, but still, you know, and if somebody's giving you like hundred and thirty to one on anything, you take it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you really look at the situation, you know, there's <clears throat> there's injuries, there are um, you know, team coming back from the Olympics who that's not gonna say that they're not gonna be great. They're always great, but that's a big uh that's a that's a big thing. So the odds are definitely going to be skewed this briar um, over some past ones. Do you, do you think we could, as 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 we love to say here, do you think we could see some chaos? <laughs> oh, without a doubt, there will be a lot of chaos. Mr. Fleming is going to create a lot of chaos. He always does. I feel like Grattan is going to have a lot to play for. A yes. lot to play for. So oh, 100%. Gonna... And, and, you know, um, Team Canada is has a different lineup. I don't think they've played a game together at this lineup so um in in the way it is uh, maybe a couple games here and there but i can't really think of any events they would have had the opportunity so yeah it's gonna be really interesting (laughs) to see what happens especially in that like that pool is incredibly tough yes incredibly tough it's gonna be really interesting a twenty dollar bet pays three hundred dollars on you guys so i think i'm gonna be placing that um uh, while we go, um, we are we are going to talk actually some football in this podcast, being as we are a football podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you wanted to add, Haji? Uh, heading into the football football stand there, I just I love having you on here once a year. Uh, I know we talk all the time, and I just I admire your outlook on life. I admire you know what you've been able to do and 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 keep your head square and what you've done with Dynasty. And I just you know I respect the hell out of you and always have. Um, so now that I've gotten super soft, anything else you want to want to add before you say uh, say goodbye to Aiden Nation? Well, super soft things for super soft guys. Um... <laughs> Just give me a princess birthday, uh, a, a pink pony birthday party here. Cupcake party. We cupcake. So, that's what it 2022. Was, yeah. There's cupcake nothing wrong party. with that. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no. Absolutely love wrong. cupcake party. I'm thinking of the Letter Kenny episode when they have the super soft birthday and they all love it. It's the best thing ever. Like, why everybody wants a super soft birthday if they're Who being doesn't? truly honest. Um, we have a cupcake game, so we'll buy cupcakes. Yep. And if we win, tough game, player of the game gets cupcake. And that's how it goes. So we'll, we'll have that. I'll see if I can slap that on Twitter during the event. We'll have the cupcake game. Um, <clears throat> but is the jacket coming back? Something I, oh, the jacket's always there. The, okay. the, the team McEwen. Uh, the bla- the blazer is always in our bag, ready to go. Um, one thing I did want to talk about was Rachel Holman 
Yes. And her vulnerability was so wildly impressive to me. Um, I want to talk about it all day long because my goodness, um, yeah, have all that... the pressure they had to go there to be like, to, to be a female athlete. And I've seen so much stuff over the years talking about, um, and, and I know Chelsea, I've seen a lot of comments about this or heard people say it out loud. And, and it's just a shame is, is talking about, well, you know, they don't smile. They don't do this. They don't do that. It's about body image. And, and, you know, I, I watched Rachel out there giving it everything she possibly could have. She gave herself up. Um, she gave up her personality uh, for our country in moments that were incredibly difficult to navigate. Um, and I was just, and and John too, I was just so impressed with them. But that statement she made after, I just want to say how how important I think it was. Yep. Can you imagine being her her child in the children in the future and I don't think that looking back on that and saying, Hey, I'd win a medal is anywhere close to as important about showing, you know, the class, the character, the, the teaching moment she had about showing her vulnerability and, and seeing how so many people reacted to it. And I think that's just, we need that so much more in sport, that vulnerability that you don't need to be perfect because look at what it does to people. It destroys them. Um, after the Olympics, it's, it's, it's 85, 90% depression rate for athletes when they come back. Wow. It's just incredible. It's it doesn't matter if you win or you lose. You come back. You have the games blues or the Briar blues or the Scotties blues. It's happened to me every time I've had a big event with lots of people. You get all these emotions and highs and endorphins going, and you come back, and and you think, yeah, it's great. I did that, and I'm home and I can rest. But sometimes you can't sleep at night. You know, sometimes your heart pounds so much that you can't understand it. And I, I just. It's just amazing what she did, and I, I just wanted to draw a little attention to it. Um, you know, I think she's got tremendous character, and I look forward to seeing more of that from athletes in the future. 100%. The world needs more of it. I mean, Joel, you made made the mm -hmm. comment, you know, it's 2022, we can all be super soft, and, and, and that's it. And then the reception to that was... Yeah. I think the thing that was coolest about that is is the reception to it, that, that everybody was supportive of Rachel and... You probably had the odd person with, you know, the sunglasses on with 12 followers that created their account last Tuesday. <laughs> um, but it just, yeah, it, it was really good. And yeah, it was raw. It was, and that's what we want to see from our athletes. And that's why I've always loved curling. You know, you guys are all all out there, right? So um, again, thank you so much. Um, yeah. I am putting uh, $35 down on you guys to win the Briar, which will pay me, what is it here on Cool Bad? 525 so I can go get myself Ooh. that, go get myself a little bit of that. Uh, I believe in you guys, and uh, let's go, McEwen. Also, by the way, New Brunswick is plus thirteen thousand. I might slap a finger <laughs> down there too. The molding effect. He will mold them That's to an victory. Effect, <laughs> right, exactly. He'll mold them to victory. <laughs> okay, now with the good pun, we got it. We we got to let Haji go. All right, Haji, thank you so much as always, buddy. Um, always a pleasure. Uh, if you ever somehow become a pro football player, we'll have you on weekly. Hey. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll keep it annual. Thanks, Haji. Thanks a lot. Well, speaking of the odds, we don't really have the odds out on who may be the next Riders play-by-play -play guy. As hey. we do have to talk a little bit of football. I guess we don't have to talk a little bit of football. But 
Uh, this is a story true. that we can't really pass up not talking about at this point. It maybe it was worth saving for another episode, but at this point, it might be too old by then. Right. To discuss it. Um, that is, of course, um, the big news on Back to Back, you know, sort of this week, was the resignation of Derek Taylor as the writer's play-by-play voice, and subsequently, hiring of Derek Taylor as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. New yes. radio play-by-play voice, of course, taking over for the legendary Bob Irving, who uh, retired this past season. And um, I know both of us have kind of heard a little bit about both of these things starting to happen yep. before they did. Um, didn't really felt like it was our position to, you know, sort of talk about a man's livelihood in person and something like that. But um, so I, when it kind of went down, not totally shocking. Um, it has created some lovely content in the last 24 hours, shall we say, since really uh, the news that Taylor would be moving from uh, Regina to Winnipeg. And we're going to get into, we're going to have a little bit of fun with it in a second, but I think, you know, this is, a, this is a position of a conversation that both of us, I think, are welcome to have yep. that maybe doesn't isn't going to happen in a lot of other places because neither of us, except maybe John, at this point, depending on how serious he is, um, <laughs> don't really give a shit about what the companies in this province, media-wise, think about us at this point. No, um, really don't. No, still don't. And I don't really blame Derek. For nope. saying, no, this wasn't for me. And the Winnipeg thing, you know, whether, you know, one led to the other, whichever order this happened, I don't know, it doesn't really matter at this point. But I don't blame him for going to Winnipeg either because the play-by-play radio voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is, should be considered an elite-level job. It should yes, be should. Yes. It should be the number one radio job for football in this country. Yes. And it is probably, I would say it should. it's in probably top three, four sports in this country, maybe four Maybe top four, at least, if you consider the Leafs, the Habs, and the Jays kind of in sort of the other three within that mix, the Leafs probably being the top one for sure. I, I would agree, yep. And the Jays kind of depends on how they're doing. Um, right. And so with that should come the prestige of being the writer's radio play-by-play guy, which there is to a degree. And I think as, you know, from the public's perspective, you see it, you get it, you understand that this is a very important role and you see whoever has that role in a certain light. And that's great. But the company that in, that has the radio rights in this province for the mm-hmm. Saskatchewan Rough Riders football games doesn't treat it as such. No, absolutely not. Nope. And because to me, it is such an important job that for at the absolute minimum for half the year, they should not be hosting a sports talk radio show without the help of a producer. I can maybe get it in the off season. That's a different discussion that maybe should or should not be had. But if you want to get a, you know, a radio play by play guy or a top broadcaster to come do this job as it should be done by someone who is top notch in this country, because that is what this job is. These roles need to be split or else this will yes. not be the last time this happens. No, absolutely. And you look at a guy like Derek, and I've been speaking to Derek. I would consider ourselves good acquaintances uh, since he was at TSN. I remember back on the my old podcast, he was a regular. We'd had him on every couple months to talk football. And he put so much work and so much effort into that play-by-play job that you ask a man to do that for a play-by-play job in a sports talk radio show, he's going to put that level of effort in 
or both those jobs and nothing else will be acceptable to him, right? You know, the guy's working 12-hour days. The guy's, you know, focusing on the writer play-by-play gig and, and, and basically booking guests for the sports cage by himself and and all that kind of thing. And it's it's a damn travesty. Like, how the hell do they not come up with, you know, we know Alex, the producer for the Green Zone. Mm-hmm. You and I both know him. I've been a That's producer Alex's... for the Green Zone. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's a full-time job. You yeah. get a little bit of, like, you don't have to be dependent on to be to be a foil. You know, you're producing the show. That is your job. You're reaching out to the talent. You're you're making sure the show is good. You're supporting Jamie, right? And maybe sometimes you're going on air. I know you did it, and, and, and mm-hmm. Alex does it. Like, the fact that, that Derek was asked to do all that, and now he gets an opportunity to go to Winnipeg, where his wife is from, where he was the play-by-play voice of the Manitoba Bisons for years, where, trust me, I listen to a lot of Bomber football. I'm wearing a Blue Bombers hoodie right now. Um, <laughs> the play-by-play job for the Bombers is the play-by-play job for the Bombers. Yeah. Bob Irving, you know, reports. He hosts the coaches show. He does things like that. He does auxiliary things to the primary job of being the play-by-play voice and promoter of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And with the energy and passion and knowledge and skills and talent that Derek has, letting him just focus on being a great play-by-play is going to be the best thing for him, for his mental health, for his family. And honestly, I heard one, like, I'm going to, you know, my summer routine is I try to mow the lawn when the Bombers are playing football. And the reason I do that is because one of my TVs is almost always on some kids shows. It's what happens when you have three kids. But so plug in my headphones, put on CJOB at kickoff, I mow my lawn, I have a cold beer on my deck. The play-by-play voice being somebody I love listening to, somebody I respect, somebody that is so friggin' talented is huge for me, entirely speaking selfishly. <laughs> like entirely if it was Rod Black, I I, I don't know what the fuck I'd do. I'd lose it. That's that's like my summer zen time. I'm mowing the lawn, games in my ears, Bob Irving, Doug Brown. So when Bob Irving retired, I was terrified. To hear it's Derek Taylor, pumped. Sent him a text this morning. I'm like, dude, it's awesome for you. Totally selfishly, I sound like an asshole right now. Totally awesome for me, too. <laughs> Could it be awesome-er for you, though? It could be. As I officially would like to announce my candidacy for the Riders' play-by-play job. I am good at football play-by-play. I embrace the dumb. I think I could horse the sports talk show, even though I don't even do any work for this podcast. I have some connections. Again, I'm good at play-by-play. But I would like to announce my candidacy for the Riders' play-by-play job. Let's go. Hire me, CKRM. I promise not to swear on the radio. I only swear on my podcasts. But fucking do it. Hire me. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly 
an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.